Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the Donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Good morning, everybody. What? Good morning, everybody. There we are. There we Welcome to Portico. Welcome to our Good Friday service. I, I love that song. If you could have, they should have had a camera back there on Joe and I in the back corner. We're supposed to be focused on what we're about to do, and we're back there, and you're singing Calvary Covers It All, and we got our hands raised, and listening to you sing it's beautiful. is absolutely beautiful, because you're singing out of the depth of your heart. You believe it. Calvary covers it all. Amen? Amen. Thank God. That's why we gather together, friends. Amen. We don't need a service. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, we don't gather because you needed another service on your calendar. We gather together with Christians from around the world who recognize something. Mm. There's only one way for us to experience the true joy and freedom and forgiveness of our sins, and it's through Calvary. Jesus Christ did it all for us. And we're, we're going to worship, we're going to celebrate, we're going to participate in communion, and we're actually going to have a look at this, Joe, and talk a little bit about what's represented here. Mm. If you're a guest today, we're so delighted that you're here with us, and we trust that if you don't have a church home... Always welcome to come and join us at Portico. We'd love to be able to get to know you personally, and you can make this your church arm, and we'll travel with you, and we're still learning and growing. We're learning from Joe. Trying. <laughs> that was a throw to you to say, and I'm learning from Doug. But oh, whoa, and I'm learning from Pastor Doug so much, so much. I love working with Joe. I love working with Doug. There you go. <laughs> See? I'm learning. You are. That's it's all, all, right. all good. So today, as we gather together, if you've been traveling with us in our church, we're in a series that's called Moses Unscripted. And we normally, we put a Good Friday service together and we put a very, very unique perspective and we focus around the cross and we're going to do that. But it just worked out that when we started to look at the structure of our messages and how we're teaching through Moses, that we realized that at the end of the, the plagues, the 10 plagues, that God would ask Moses to do something in that 10th plague called the Passover. And the Passover and the significance of what took place in that, that moment, that act, actually would foreshadow God's mission for Jesus. And often there's a disconnect in our thinking or understanding. So believers focus primarily, a lot of us focus around the New Testament and Jesus and his life, and rightly so. But our our roots, our history, our our anchor is all out of these scriptures, the richness of the scriptures. So what we're going to do today is we're actually going to go to the Exodus text. We're going to have a look at this Passover, and then we're going to have a look at what it means. Because, friends, when you gather on a day like this, it's not just about these two elements, so they're the symbolic elements, the bread and the wine, the bread and the juice for us. They're integrated into a much broader meal, which is representative of God's mission. So when we talk about the foreshadowing, Joe, and we talk mm-hmm. about the Passover, we know that with uh, Moses and Exodus, and that was going to harden Pharaoh's heart, and this is going to be the big plague, and he's going to let the people go. Yeah. And coming out of that, though, this would become something that would be embedded into the Israelite practice still. Currently, yeah, to this to this very day. So, so Passover, 
what does that mean? How does that translate up into the life of Jesus? And uh, how do we walk into that? You know, it's a beautiful experience. And like you said, when we were kind of laying out the messages and we're going through all the different stages of Moses' life and we get to the, to the first nine plagues and then it just so happened that today's message falls on the tenth plague, the plague of the firstborn son, that every firstborn son in Egypt would have died that night unless they took the blood of the lamb and applied it to the doorpost of their home, and the angel of death would come, he would see the sign and have to pass over the home. So just the beauty of the alignment of that on today is wonderful. In fact, next year, it's even closer, because Passover this year, because the Jewish calendar and the Christian calendar are, are slightly off because they use the moon, we use the sun. So Passover started on Monday night this week, and for us it's today. But next year, Good Friday is on March the 30th, And Passover also begins on March the 30th, which is wonderful. Now, if there was something else happening March 30th, it would be amazing. It it would be truly, it'd be the trifecta. It's my birthday. uh, (laughs) That was a shameless plug for Joe's birthday. (laughs) It's a good plug. Back to the message. (laughs) No, but the, the, the timing of God, it never ceases to amaze us how he just, he times these messages for a wonderful gathering like this. And so we have Christians who are living here in the West. We read the New Testament. We understand the Old Testament is part of our legacy. It's part of our heritage. But as Christians, we seldom or we never talk about Passover on Good Friday because they seem so disconnected. One is about something that happened thousands of years ago. Mm-hmm with this 10th plague, and the other one is about Jesus dying on the cross. But what happened is God gave very specific requirements for the Lamb. And on Sunday, we're going to talk even further about some of these requirements. But one of the things that was to be done was a Lamb was to be sacrificed and eaten, one for each household. Well, over time, by the time we get to the days of Jesus, this, this meal, it's called a Seder. A Seder in Hebrew means order. To this very day, if you ask somebody, how's it going? They say, Beseder, everything's in order, everything's good. And so over time, the rabbis kept adding traditions to this meal. And by the time it got to, to the day of Jesus, you had this full course meal with all these different elements that were throwbacks to the, to the actual exodus. So they would remember, but they were also foreshadowing yeah. something that the Messiah would do. And so as we talk today... Yeah. About those elements, I believe we're going to have some of these wow moments to see how God set it up so that we would know Jesus really was the Messiah. When, when Jesus actually gathered his disciples in preparation for what we are now commemorating, it's very important the use of the words that he had. It was found in Luke 22, verse 14, 15. It said, when the hour had come, Jesus mm-hmm. and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you this very night. Yeah, how do you eat a Passover? Yeah. (laughs) Well, unless you understand that the Passover is a series of smaller meals that make up one big meal. Very often when we think about Jesus' Last Supper, we see it as almost like a going-away dinner. You know, they've been spending this time together, going throughout the land, and Jesus knows he's going to be crucified the next day, and he says, I just want to have one more good steak with my friends, and then I'm gone tomorrow. But it's not. There's so much more. And he says, I have eagerly, I have desired, I have been longing, I've been dreaming about this day. But why would he dream about it? Because it was foreshadowing his death. Yeah. 
And so Jesus says things and he does things in that last supper, in that final Passover. He talks about dipping bread. He takes a cup after a certain part of the meal. And it seems kind of, kind of random. And John is the one asking questions. None of the other disciples ask questions. Mm-hmm. Because in the Jewish culture, the tradition is only the youngest child at the table is able to talk to the leader. And tradition tells us that John is the youngest of disciples. So Peter says, ask him who's going to betray us. You ask him. And so as we begin to understand the elements of this table, we start to get why Jesus said the things. See, I'm stuck right now because you said only the youngest one could ask the question. And I grew up in a home where said the youngest one should be silent. (laughs) Well, that's very (laughs) unbiblical, Pastor Doug. Anybody... If your kid's in the room, you should own that statement right there when you go home. Mom you and Dad, my away. voice ask counts. Away. Ask away. So when we look at the Passover and we, we actually step <laughs> into this, here's what I need you to, to see. So God gives Moses very specific instructions. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're not going to spend a lot of time in there because we will track into this in the weeks to come. Mm-hmm. But it begins to, as Joe's mentioned, it begins to evolve. And the rabbis add in crucial elements. Mm-hmm. And Jesus very specifically goes... It's going to be on the Passover, this Passover meal that I want to share with you. So the symbolic importance of what's there on the plate that's going to yeah. be represented is going to really impact their world. But more importantly, it's mm. what we're doing together today as well. Yeah, absolutely. So let's kind of walk you through some of the elements on the table. Well, the first thing about a, a Passover is the Seder plate. And you'll notice here the plate I have in my hand and even on the picture, you have these indents on the plates. And on the plate, you have different pictures, and there's things written. There's parsley. There's, there's the egg. There's uh, bitter herbs. There's the lamb shank. And all of these things on there. And people say, well, why, why is this here? Every single thing on that plate is a reminder to the Jewish people who celebrate Passover today of something that happened at the original Passover. The first thing we see on the Seder plate is, is a, a small glass of salt water. Now, doesn't that seem like an odd drink to have with your meal? Yeah. Now, I don't know if I mentioned before that I'm Portuguese. <laughs> but we don't have salt water. We have other wonderful... <laughs> I'm counting how many times. <laughs> you need more than two hands. Uh, you know, why have salt water? And why do you have a pe- one single piece of parsley? What's it there for? Yeah. The salt water represents two things. You're supposed to take the parsley and dip it twice into the salt water. The first time, the salt water reminds you of the tears that the Israelites shed when they were slaves in Egypt. And then the second time you dip the parsley, the salt water reminds you of the water in the Red Sea that God parted for the people. So you have this beautiful symbology in something so simple. Mm. One time I was in Hong Kong. And I was doing a, a Seder meal for a thousand Chinese believers that came together, and it was so cool. Instead of using their fingers, they used their chopsticks to pick up the <laughs> parsley and dip it into the, the salt water culture. Absolutely. So that, that's the first element. We, um, we, we have an egg there. And if you look at it, it it's hard-boiled, but it looks burned. Yeah, it's very dark. Why, why would you have that? Well... The hardened egg reminds the people of how Pharaoh hardened his heart towards God. And then after the temple was destroyed in AD 70, it was burned to the ground by the Romans. And so they burned the egg on purpose to remind them of the time that their temple was, was destroyed. So it continues to build. We have a shank bone of a lamb. 
Because in the time of Jesus, it was a lamb that was sacrificed for the people. But when the temple was destroyed, there was no more place to bring lambs to be slaughtered. So now they just put a piece of bone there to remind them that at one time, there was a lamb that mm -hmm. was crucified. Now, one of the things that is, is difficult about the Seder is this next element, that you have to eat at each one. You have to have a bitter herb on the plate. Uh, horseradish. And it's supposed to be so strong that when you eat it, it brings a tear to your eye. Because you have to remember the bitter slavery that the mm -hmm. people went through. How many of you like really, really spicy foods? Tear to your eye level <laughs> spicy food. So when you go for your meal today and it's not quite what you expect and you start to cry, you just go, I'm just remembering the service this morning. And these are tears that I shed on this behalf. Anyhow, I'm just giving people a note. That's, that's my job. That's very good. Okay. <laughs> One of the other elements, it looks like this kind of uh, brown, chopped up, mushy kind of thing. And that's called charoset. Can you guys do the, the charoset? Ah, very good. Irvis didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. He's doing it in French. I okay. need to stop. See, by the way, if you're here, I mean, we can do this. We're three campuses, and yeah. we're all together today. If you're visiting, that's the good part of this. So, yeah. So, Espanol. Portico Espanol, Irvis and Tamara. <laughs> okay, good enough. Carry on. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Pastor Rick and Amanda are here yeah. from, from Milton. From Wonderful. Milton campus. So, hey, we're, th we're speaking of sweet things, and we're speaking about our campuses. That's kind of nice. Yeah. So, this set is made of chopped up apples, brown sugar, and honey. And it's made on purpose to look kind of this brown color because it reminds the Jewish people today of the mud that they had to use to make the bricks when they were slaves back in Egypt. And so time and time, through every single bit of element we see on the table, it harkens back to, to the, the time of the Exodus. Now, there's no lambs today to be sacrificed, so instead of the lamb being the centerpiece of the table, now it's what's called matzah or matzah bread. Let's go ahead and look at the picture of, of matzah. Now, when you, when you look at the picture, when it, when it comes up, what's unique about this? What stands out to you when you see this? Yeah, so immediately you look at this picture, everybody I think would recognize it's been pierced, and it, it's, it's burned or it's bruised. Yeah. So that on the screen, and if you look at it here in person, if you hold it, you can see stripes on it. You can actually see the lines on it. No, but anybody like a sample... It's completely tasteless, has no flavor whatsoever, and God commands that you eat it for seven days solid. Wow. You're going to switch LA after the service. Okay. <laughs> but this is what's unique, is that you can't just take a cracker from, you know, whatever grocery store you go to. It's got to be a very specific type of cracker. First of all, it has to be flat. It can have no leaven in it. Because leaven represents sin. And Passover was all about the lamb removing your sin or covering your sin for another year, so no leaven. And then, as, as you said, Pastor Doug, every piece of bread, the, the rabbi said, they must have these three things or else they're not kosher for Passover. They must have these burn marks called the bruises of the bread. They must all be pierced, and those piercings make stripes on the bread. So the bread that now replaces the lamb is bruised, is striped, and is pierced. Does that language sound familiar to anyone? Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was 
bruised for our iniquities, and by his stripes yeah. we are healed. So that's just the symbolism of the bread itself. But the, the power in that is, you've got to catch this, the rabbis require mm-hmm. this to be a part of the Passover meal without the recognition and the identity of what we either gathered together today to actually celebrate that Jesus mm-hmm. is our lamb and everything that Isaiah prophesied comes to fulfillment. So there's more to this bread, though, because mm-hmm. the actual container, the pouch that you have, has a yeah. de- it has a definition. It's represented in the home, and there's some activity that takes place, and this happens even today. To this very day. It's called the afikomen. And the afikomen is a pouch that has three slots inside of it, and in each slot is a piece of this bread that's unleavened, that's bruised, striped, mm-hmm. and pierced. Now, what's unique about this is that you have to take out the center piece of bread, and then you break it. Now, I've asked rabbis, friends of mine in Jerusalem, and I said, why do you break the center bread? They're like, you know what? We don't really know. It's just, it's tradition. It's customary. We break the center bread. Nobody questions it. We just do it. But how does this relate to Jesus? Yeah. What does the number three have that's significant for us who believe in the Bible? Father. Father, Son. And? Holy Spirit. So, the center one, which represents the Son, that's the one that's taken out. So think about this. Jesus, at that final Passover meal with his disciples, he takes out that centerpiece and he says, this is my body. There's no leaven in me. I am about to be bruised. I'm about to be striped. I'm about to be pierced. And then he breaks the bread. Guys, the meaning of that Mm. is unbelievable when you take it in light of what it meant in that day. So they're listening to Jesus. And if we could place ourselves in the context for a moment, you have these followers of Jesus, his chosen mm-hmm. disciples. He breaks the bread and he goes, this is my body broken for you. And they're trying to connect the dots. Yeah. And within literally hours, hours to see Jesus hanging on the cross, his body bruised, pierced. It's all there. Yeah. But there's more. Yeah. There's more. There's something uh, about the, the seat of, of Elijah. There's a tradition mm-hmm. of, of a pillow that's used during, during the Passover. And I, I was worried in the first service when I saw you bring out a pillow. Well, I know how long you speak. <laughs> Thanks for coming. God bless you. <laughs> there's a reason for this. During the Passover meal, there's always one empty chair at the table. No matter how full the room is, you leave one empty seat, and that's for the prophet Elijah. Because the belief is that one day Elijah will come, and he'll tell them who the Messiah is. So every year, they leave that seat hoping and praying that he will come, but every year he doesn't come. Why? Because he already came. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, if you look at John and if you will receive him, he is the Elijah who has come. And that Elijah already made the decision. He made the declaration when he saw Jesus. He said, behold, that's the Lamb of God. So now in that, in that, in that chair, what you do is you have this pillow. So, so you, this is practiced today. Yes, this yep. is still observed in, in many of the observant Orthodox homes today. There's a pillow there. During, during the, the Seder, I, the leader, I take that matzah bread... And I wrap it in a small linen cloth, okay? And then during the meal when no one's looking, I go and I hide it. 
And so then, can I stop you? Of course. You took the broken pieces. That's right. And wrapped them. Okay. That's right. All the right. broken, bruised, striped, pierced pieces, wrapped them in a white linen cloth, and I put them away. And after the third cup, because there's four cups that you drink, after the third cup, I don't know if that sounds familiar to anybody, the kids are released to go find what's called the afikomen, and then they have to come, and they take the crackers out, because it's proof that they found it, and they take it, and they put it behind the pillow in the chair. And then I ask, who's found the afikomen? And the child brings it to me, and I have to pay a ransom now. I have to give him money in order to get it back. So a price has to be paid. And then I tell the child, where is the afikomen? And this pillow in Hebrew is also known as a stone. And so the stone is pulled away to reveal the empty piece of linen. Come on. But it doesn't end there. No, we were talking, and this is uh, when we were going through the elements, one of the things. So this Elijah piece, that was new for me, and I was just kind of like, wow, I never heard that before. And then you shared with me, though, that the bread, the, the broken bread, there's actually one more element that's practiced with it. Yeah, so they, they take then those pieces of bread, they collect it all, and they put it back into that piece of linen. And at the end of the meal, they take it and they put it in a high place. It's like that bread is lifted up. After the rest, it's lifted up and it's put in a high place for all to see. Does that sound familiar? It does sound familiar. Acts chapter 2, verse 33. Here's what we read. Exalted to the right hand of God... He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Wow. So today in Passover, all of the symbolism is powerful and it represents the very life Mm. of our faith, of what Jesus Christ did. And the Father has exalted him to the highest of places. And friends, that's why we gather today, so we can celebrate what Jesus has done for us. Now, when you read the Passover meal, and I know because we're in the West and often without the cultural understanding, many have read through the text, and we read this part where it says, you know, Jesus broke Mm -hmm. the bread, and then he took the cup, and then after the meal, then he says, but I'm not going to drink this cup with you until I drink it anew in the kingdom. And so you kind of have a little moment where you're going, whoa, whoa, whoa. So you alluded to the the four cups, but he drank the third cup. So what's going on with the fourth cup? Well, we often have one cup, don't we, on our tables when we drink. So he says, I'm going to drink the cup. No, I'm not going to drink the cup, but I'm going to drink the cup. Well, are you going to drink it or not? (laughs) Unless you understand that there are actually four different cups that are poured throughout the meal, it starts to make sense. The Bible says after the supper, right, he took the cup. Why are they specific to tell us that? Because the cup after the supper is the third cup in that Passover Seder, and that's called the cup of redemption. And he takes that third cup and he says, this cup, the cup of redemption, now represents the new covenant that I'm about to make with you. It's beautiful. And then he gets to the end of the meal and he says, I won't drink this last cup. Not now. Because that's called the cup of acceptance. And it wasn't his time to be accepted. The Bible says that he came unto his own and his own received him not. That that chief cornerstone came to be rejected. But one day... 
He's going to drink that cup. And those of us who follow him and place our trust with him, in him, we're going to drink that cup also. Yeah. So the, yeah, go ahead. Give him praise. Yeah. So in a few moments, we're going to gather around these tables. And though we don't have all of the elements represented, we have the core elements that Jesus spoke to. And he said, this is the bread. This is my body, which is broken for you. And here's the cup. This is my blood, Mm -hmm. which is poured out for you. But I want you to stop for a moment. I want you to think about his disciples because they've watched Jesus do things that they had not yet understood. They didn't understand. The cross was just hours away. So he's breaking this bread and he goes, my body. And then my blood. And and then the cup of acceptance, he doesn't drink the cup of acceptance, which they would have done for every other Passover. And Jesus goes, come, let's leave. So can you imagine the conversation on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is going to pour out his heart to his father and he's going to pray to his father? Mm -hmm. And the disciples, they don't care where they're going. They're busy talking. They're going, why did we drink the cup of acceptance? Why would Jesus not do that? And then in moments to have Jesus betrayed, taken into captivity, taken into a mock trial. They're all scattered. They've forgotten completely about this cup now. They see Jesus hanging on a cross. He is bruised. He's pierced. He's bleeding. He gives up his life for them. And suddenly, Passover Hmm. takes on a whole new significance. They're going, now we get it. Now we get it, but the acceptance part still doesn't come into play until Jesus is raised from the dead and the women come and they said, we've seen the resurrected Lord. And they go, no, you haven't. No, no, we've seen him. And they go to see Jesus and they find the empty tomb and they find the cloth because who has been exalted to the right hand of the Father? Jesus has. That's right. And then when he does appear to them, he goes, we are going to celebrate this together. But Jesus had a mission for them. He, want, he said, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, everybody, because the cup of acceptance is for this world. It is for everyone, whosoever will, for God so loved the world Mm -hmm. that everybody, that's you and me. That's why we're here today. We're not here to learn just about history. We're Mm -hmm. here that we're looking that God not only foreshadowed through Moses, the mission of Jesus, but God foreshadows prophetically through Christ, the fact that we will be a part of the marriage supper of the lamb and we will hold the cup with Jesus in our presence. And he goes, now we drink the cup of acceptance. That's why we come together this morning, and that's why we celebrate these elements. So imagine Paul, a devout follower of Jesus. He wasn't that way before. Orthodox, Jew, committed, Pharisee. And yet his conversion experience when he encounters the resurrected Christ He begins to write under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He writes words like this, for Christ, our Passover lamb. He uses words, that's in Corinthians. He uses those words very, very intentionally. Mm. Understand he's communicating so that everyone and that the Jewish people would see that Jesus is the ultimate Passover lamb. He has been sacrificed. In Hebrews 10 verse 4, it says, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It's not about the sacrifices anymore. It's been done. The cross of Jesus Christ, it's finished. Your sins are forgiven. He washed them away in that moment right there. And then Paul would write these words to the church, and he would say, For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We don't merely commemorate what has happened in the past. We celebrate what God is doing now and God is going to do. God, he foreshadowed what was going to happen through Jesus. Jesus fulfilled the mission for which the Father has sent him. And the Holy Spirit, he's finalizing the work. He is drawing men and women to Christ. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And the Holy Spirit is drawing the hearts of men and women. Friends, that's why we celebrate today. That's why we come together in this room, to give the highest praise and the highest glory to Jesus Christ. Now, Joel, there's one other thing. Oh, you want to use it? Oh, well. We didn't use it in the first service. That's okay. They've gone home. They don't know. (laughs) (laughs) All righty then. Nobody tell them. Nobody tell them. You, you would like me to talk for a minute while you have a drink of water? Uh-huh. No, there, there's so much to share. But this symbolism actually ties right back into the moment where Christ was on the cross. And he uses these words, and he talks about it is finished. And the scriptures are very, very intentional about the mm-hmm. hour at which he died. It says at 3 p.m. in the time of Israel that Jesus cried out in a loud voice, it's is finished. And why three o'clock? Because all the feasts in the Bible, they started in the morning at 9 a.m. and they ended at 3 p.m., also called the twilight hour when the day was coming to an end. Do you know what time the Bible says Jesus was put on the cross? 9 a.m. When the temple opened its doors at 9 a.m., the lambs began to be slaughtered. At 9 a.m., Jesus is nailed to a tree. And at 3 p.m., as they close the doors of the temple, that meant it was finished, it was done. No more lambs could be slaughtered, no more blood could be shed, and Jesus, as he hangs on the cross. So at 3 p.m., the priest would blow the shofar in the temple as a sign to the people that it was finished, it was done. No more lambs could be in to be sacrificed. And it's exactly in that moment that Jesus says, it is finished. Why? Because he hears the sound of the shofar. Go ahead. God is strategic. I don't know in your life when you face the challenges and difficulties that you go through and you wonder about your faith journey. Friends, if God can orchestrate all the way back from Moses and foreshadow all the way up to the time of Christ and implement right up till our day in 2017, if he can span thousands and thousands of years to make sure everything is in alignment, he's got your life covered. He's got your life covered. So when we come into this room today, we come to worship the one who's been exalted to the highest place. So would you stand to your feet? And that's what we want to do. We want to take a few moments and we want to just give our highest praise and adoration to Jesus because worthy, worthy is the lamb who was slain for the sins of the world.